Another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by the Silver Screen and Roll Network. I'm your host, Jacob Rood. With me today, uh, one of the OGs of Lakers Twitter, uh, one of my longtime friends of Lakers Twitter, uh, the man that I was sitting beside when we watched D'Angelo Russell bury a game winner at Summer League. We were jumping beside each other, not really sitting, but uh, Gary Kester himself. Gary, bud, how you doing? Good, man. And you bring that up and it's crazy to think that that was like seven years ago now. It's uh, time has really flown since then. Yeah, that is. Uh, maybe the I think that's the last time I went to or no, I went to the Lonzo Ball Summer League, but still uh, one of the few times I've been to Summer League and I've been thinking about that with it being uh, about a week or two away. So uh, excited for that. And I'm excited because. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, a good chunk of the Lakers Summer League team that we know already after Thursday's draft, kind of led by Max Christie, the number 35 pick out of Michigan State. Uh, I know Anthony, Aaron, uh, Sabrina talked about him a bit uh, on Friday's episode. Still, though, now that we've had a couple days to process it, what are your thoughts on this pick? Uh, Were you surprised as I was that they seemed to take a – a guy that's a bit more of a project? I'm not overly surprised by it. I mean, it kind of fits, I think, probably the mold. The Lakers have been stuck in like this win-now mode, obviously, since they signed LeBron, right? So I think in the draft, I, I, t- I typically think that they go best player available, and I heard that the scouts really, really liked Christie a lot. Um, so I think typically they're going to go best player available, especially – going into this, I think the roster had like six guys on it. So mm-hmm. they, they could afford to do that, but it kind of lines up with what Taylor Horton Tucker was, right? Like we knew right away, he's, he's not going to be ready to go, but he has a ton of upside. And I see that a lot with Christie. I think he's got a lot of physical tools to work with. I think mechanically um, so just some of his movements and, and the shot form, I think is good. Although I do think the shot form is going to need to be sped up uh, at the next level, but I think there's a lot to like there. And I think the amount of minutes that he played as a, as a freshman under Tom Izzo doesn't probably doesn't happen a ton. So I think that kind of speaks volumes right there. So, you know, if the Lakers scouting department is, was thrilled to get this player, you know, uh, for any player, I, they've earned my trust. I I think that the the player will probably turn out just fine. And uh, I think Christie will be no exception to that. I think uh, he's got a lot of, a lot of stuff there that that you really like, and a lot of stuff that to work with, and and a lot of upside he can grow into. Yeah, I initially I just kind of had the idea that they would probably draft somebody that can help them right away because they have so few guys on the roster, like you said. I think they only have six guys on the roster, somewhere around there. But I mean, for the reasons you also gave, it, it probably isn't a surprise that they just took simply whoever they felt was the best player available. Um, I know Jovan Bua said in his piece for The Athletic that um, Christie was the top guy on their list, remaining on their list. And so it probably shouldn't be a surprise because uh, this is a Lakers scouting department that has a ton of hits, very, very few misses. So that alone has me optimistic about anybody we pick. But Taylor Horton Tucker is also a shining example of not just the scouting department, but the player development department. And now you're getting a guy like Christie into the gym for a G League team and a G League, um, I don't know, franchise, program, whatever you want to call it, system that has produced a lot of talent for the Lakers um, throughout the years. So you get him in the building, and then you also uh, get him working with Phil Handy with, I mean, Darvin Ham himself. Um, how encouraging is just that aspect to having all these player development guys that we already know that are going to get to work with him firsthand now? Yeah, I mean, Phil Handy, his reputation is is well known around the league. He's one of the best in the business. I think even Kendrick Perkins, which, I mean, not that I value what Kendrick <laughs> Perkins had to say on draft night, but but he he had mentioned Phil Handy by name, and you know I think that a lot of guys would. Obviously, the, the Nets tried to poach him um, each of the last couple of years, and uh, 
yeah, I mean, LeBron speaks volumes of him. Kyrie Irving speaks volumes of him, um, you know, speaks very highly. So, yeah, I think the the Lakers have some proven um, talent development tele, talent development guys on the staff. And um, just like you mentioned, their G League program, they've they've developed guys that, you know, came up from that team and then looked pretty good. You know, obviously, when you get guys from the G League, your expectations are going to be low, but but I think they their track record speaks for itself in terms of talent development. I think most people thought with Austin Reeves last year, you know, this is kind of a, you know, just a, you know, he, he could be a decent player, I guess, whatever. And then now we're going into this year thinking he might have a legit shot at starting, you know, next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis because he was really good last year and he kind of fits very well with them. So I have a pretty – pretty low doubt uh, that they'll be able to develop Christie and, and whatever young players that they bring in. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see where Christie starts at. I, I would think it's going to be a lot like Taylor's rookie season where it's almost exclusively in the G league, which is fine. Cause I mean, Taylor mm-hmm. for all the frustrations of him last year, he very much turned into a very dependable role player. Uh, he was probably just not in a great role for, the Lakers last season, but nonetheless, he, d- he turned into something very solid. And, uh, there's a ton of reasons to like Christie, like you were saying earlier, the jumper, he has the size, he has a lot of, of the little things that he does that, especially defensively that have you excited about his future. So, um, I don't want to spend a ton of time on Christie because I know, uh, they talked about that on Friday, what they didn't, talk as much about is the rest of the guys that have um, been signed various ways for the summer league. We'll start with the two-way guys and start first with Cole Swider, who uh, perhaps the least surprising of the uh, two-way guys. He was someone that he's the only person the Lakers, I should say, announced that they brought in for two workouts. Mm -hmm. Uh, He talked on... I believe Tuesday was his workout um, about seemed like he really liked the um, kind of the, the guys around the coaches around and the Lakers in general. And then Kyle Goon had a piece that said he was a standout in that second workout. So uh, the least surprising thing that he was signed by the Lakers, I know that you had some firsthand experience. I guess we both did. Uh, he played against both of our teams last season. What do you uh, think of this selection? Yeah, as a North Carolina fan, I can attest that he uh, can shoot the ball very well and can do it, uh, you know, he can shoot the ball on the move, he can shoot the ball over length. The The frustrating part about that game, he scored 36 points at North Carolina. Luckily, North Carolina and Caleb Love came through in the clutch and, and won that game, but Cole Swider, man, he, you know, at his size on the wing, to be able to to shoot you know, different types of jump shots and to be able to shoot. I mean, Carolina threw multiple defenders at him and it didn't really matter. I think he was like 14 of 20 in that game and was just hitting all kinds of crazy shots. So, you know, I think with undrafted guys or second round guys, I think what you're really looking for is our players that have one really good skill, right? That they Mm -hmm. can, that can translate to the NBA and he's got the shooting skill down. I would be very surprised if that doesn't translate because like I said, I think I tweeted that out on draft night. If you want good tape, just go watch that game. I mean, Carolina <laughs> defended a lot of those shots very well, and he was just lighting it up. And he's you know doing it at pretty good size on the wing. So uh, not surprised at all that he uh, he was picked up by the Lakers. I think as soon as he wasn't drafted, I think everybody kind of assumed, based on kind of what you talked about, Jacob, that he would be uh, signed by the Lakers. And, you know, I'm not convinced that he's not Rob Palenka's long lost son because they look very, <laughs> very similar. And uh, it's 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 a little uh, it's a little eerie. Rob Palenka, Rob Lowe, Cole Swider, they're all from the <laughs> same same little tree there. Uh, the Swiders did shoot 41 percent last year, 40 percent the year before that. Six, nine forward. That is with that type of shooting range. I wouldn't be surprised if perhaps he saw some time with the Lakers, depending on how they fill out the rest of this roster, because just simply having that size and shooting ability is valuable next to LeBron, AD, and whoever else is going to be on the court. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, but I wasn't surprised that he joined the Lakers. Uh, The other two-way contract they gave out 
maybe a little bit more surprising uh, was to Scotty Pippen Jr., who uh, is from uh, Villanova, or excuse me, Vanderbilt. And I wasn't... Um, I wasn't expecting it necessarily. What do you I mean, did you see much about of him last season? What do you think of of landing him? I kind of looked into him a little bit more after it was announced that the Lakers signed him and I mean his numbers also kind of uh jump out. I mean, he was a 20-point scorer back-to-back seasons at at Vanderbilt, played about 32 minutes on average. Um so I mean, got lots of playing time in his 3 years at Vanderbilt, so I think that that is you know is something to take note of um, went from his freshman year from 12 points to to a 20 point score that's a pretty big jump uh the shooting kind of you know was streaky 34% from 3 overall but um i think 20 points four assists and you know about two steals a game so i think there's there's some stuff to work with there i think you know he's obviously at 6-1 he's not a very big guard and, you know, that can be kind of tricky in, in today's NBA, not being able to play multiple positions. And I think that's ultimately going to be what the Lakers really look for, especially with LeBron and Anthony Davis, guys that can play and defend multiple positions. But but also LeBron can you know play one through five on offense, too. So um, you know, not to compare him to those guys, but I think the versatility standpoint is something the Lakers are probably going to look at, because I think a last year with the amount of small guards that they had on the roster, um, it was really difficult for them on both ends of the floor to just to do certain things, certain things that they wanted to do. So, um, you know, obviously with, with a two-way guy like, like Pippen, it's, you know, your expectations are pretty low, but I think the talent is definitely there. I I don't think, you know, you, you score 20 points a game on average for two consecutive seasons in division one basketball by accident. Right. You know, I, I think being able to to essentially you know dish out five assists and score twenty points uh, a game in, in in a bigger conference in, in the SEC, I think that speaks for itself. So um, I'm curious to see how they how they develop him, what he kind of looks like um, at the next level. But he can he can definitely fill it up. The interesting thing that I uh, that I found out this is hardly related to Scottie Pippen Jr. So his name is spelled differently than his dad's. <laughs> It's actually not on Scottie Pippen senior's birth certificate. It is spelled with a Y for whatever reason. He at some point started going by Scottie with the IE at the end and it just stuck. I, I don't really know why I didn't dive too deep into it to figure out, but uh, legally he is, his name is spelled exactly like his dad, but uh, I, I was surprised for a couple of reasons. He, for one, he's a kind of an undersized guard that wasn't a particularly efficient scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, 41% from the field, 32% from three. He did, I mean, he scored 20 points per game. So he can get buckets, but maybe not the most efficient way possible. Uh, and just in general, the Lakers already have a number of guards on the roster. That's about the only position that they are kind of comfortable in with. Reeves with Kendrick Nunn with uh I mean Russ for now um I was just surprised that they took a guard and used that two-way spot on him but I mean if anybody's earned kind of the benefit of the doubt it's the Lakers scouting department also these aren't I mean these certainly aren't ironclad the Lakers went into summer league last year with Joel Ayayi or Ajayi I can't remember exactly what his last name was but he was one of their two-way guys, and I don't even think he made it to training camp as a two-way guy. So mm-hmm. you can you can change this pretty quickly if somebody at Summer League uh, shows out. And looking at the rest of the Summer League roster, the, the biggest other name is Sharif O'Neal, uh, who obviously son of Shaq and someone that worked out for the Lakers uh, last week. It was a, It was fun watching his – press conference because you could tell how excited he was mm-hmm. uh, just to work out for the Lakers. I mean, he literally he said he was starstruck and speechless putting on the jersey. And uh, I mean, if you want to endear yourself to Lakers fans, just talk about how much it means to wear a Lakers practice jersey and they're going to be all in as if they weren't already being Shaq's son. That being said, he didn't have the most productive college career. There was a number of reasons why. Uh I mean, do you have any thoughts on him as kind of a project type of signing? 
Not, not really. In all honesty, just it's tough to to really go off of. And I think, I mean, there was even what the reports that Shaq kind of wanted him to go back to school. Yeah. And yeah, it's you know, I would love to be pleasantly surprised because I think it would be you know ama- an amazing story if if Shaq's son ends up you know turning into a legitimate NBA player and um, especially plays for the Lakers. That would be awesome. But yeah, my expectations are low just because there's not a whole lot to really go off of, right? That we got to see at the college level. So. Um, hoping for the best, but it's it's tough to have really many expectations just uh, because there's just not a whole lot to really go off of. He has the size. He's 6'10", 225 pounds. Mm-hmm. But for a litany of reasons, he had a, a heart uh, condition before his freshman season even started, kept him out for a while. There was a coaching change while he was redshirted that first year at UCLA. He transfers to LSU, has a foot injury that keeps him out for half of his, the latter half of his first season and the first half of his second season. So ultimately he plays 37 college games and only attempted, I think like 80 shots, 84 shots in college. So there's just simply not a lot of tape to go off of. He was a a pretty highly touted prospect in Mm -hmm. high school, but as you said, it was, um, it was kind of sad to hear him talk at the workout that him and his dad weren't really on speaking terms so much uh, during this pre-draft process. So you just kind of hope that this is kind of a, a bridge to maybe mend things a little bit and uh, just the novelty of having his son play for the Lakers hopefully is enough to um, get them back on speaking terms. The rest of the Summer League roster will include Fabian White from Houston, um, Vito Brown, he played at Wisconsin a few years ago. He's an older uh, player who played in Spain last year, uh, played in the G League a little bit. Um, Javante McCoy from uh, the Terriers. I'm, I'm looking at the tweet. I'm not sure who the Terriers are, um, but uh, he will be joining. That's Boston. Uh, the And I believe there was one other one that uh, will be joining as well, but just kind of guys filling out the summer league roster. RJ Cole was the other one uh, who is from UConn who will be joining the roster. Do you know anything about any of these guys? Honestly, don't. I was speaking a little bit to, um, to Mike Garcia, who obviously is an amazing mm-hmm. eye for talent and had some good things to say about, about Cole. But um, yeah, the, these guys, I mean, you hope that really with anything with summer league, right? You, you go in, if you're not, it's not like 2015, 2016, 2017, right? Where the Lakers had top draft picks that they're trying to, to develop. I think we got a taste of it last year where it was like guys like Austin Reeves, right? Where you go in, okay, he's the two-way guy. Let's hope he shows enough um, to, to really step up and, and possibly be a, just a role player. Like I think if you get these guys from summer league that are role players on your team, um, especially when you have championship aspirations year after year because you have LeBron and Anthony Davis. That's that's a major win. Um, we'll just have to see how it all plays out. Um, we'll see, you know, how these guys can can develop. It's summer league is always super hit and miss. You know, some guys um, that you think were, are going to play really well struggle with you know how fast it is, how much more physical it is, and some guys are just it's more natural. Whether it's maybe due to better spacing, better pace, whatever it is. Um, it's, it's very hit and miss because I think there's been some guys in the last few years that we kind of circled as like, okay, I'm excited to see this guy. And I, I think a was, was one of them, um, mm-hmm. where a lot of people were like, okay, this, the Lakers kind of got a steal here. And then he just really didn't pan out. Um, you know, sorry to, uh, Dylan Heiser, but Anthony Brown back in the day was, <laughs> was another guy that, you know, really thought, oh, this could be a really good three and D guy. And then just couldn't make shots, you know, so you just never know how it's all going to pan out. So hopefully, uh, you know, the scout scouting team has continued to do their homework and we can find some hidden gems in there. Yeah. I mean, even looking back last year, like on paper, Austin Reeves didn't even have a particularly like eye popping summer league performance. He did some little things and some stuff in there that caught your attention, but overall he didn't exactly light the world on fire. So uh, nonetheless, it's, it's fun to watch these guys and, the Lakers have a draft pick they'll get to watch. Right now, it's looking like um, with Christie, with all the guys we said, the two-way guys, um, and then you potentially look at Mac McClung, um, some guys like that, maybe Mason Jones, 
Jay Huff might play and then potentially even Austin Reeves uh, mix some guys in there and it'll be a, a fun and interesting summer league lineup. But before we get to summer league, we have the off season and free agency to talk about. And Kyrie Irving is the rumor that isn't going away. So we're going to discuss kind of the latest on that, what we think of uh, that potential here in just one moment. So admittedly, uh, when this Kyrie Irving stuff dropped, and even now, I saw it as type uh, some type of leverage play, simply because until somebody just actively turns down $30 million, which is seemingly what Kyrie would have to do to get to LA, I just can't believe it's going to happen. That being said, where there's smoke, there's fire, and these rumors are not going away, uh, the latest we're recording this Saturday night, the latest that I wrote about is basically that, um, Kyrie wants to find a way to team up with LeBron and LeBron wants to find a way to team up with Kyrie and that they've kind of mended fences from his departure from Cleveland back in 2017, somewhere around there, I believe it was 2017. Before we dive into any of the specifics, I mean, what's just your thoughts on, on this madness and Kyrie potentially joining the Lakers. So I think if there's any player that would openly turn down a lot of money and be crazy enough to do that, to get what they want, I think it's Kyrie Irving. I think, I mean, we saw it last year. He only played in what 20 something games um, because of the, the COVID vaccine mandates and stuff like that. Um, yeah. He's just, uh, he kind of, does things his own way. So it wouldn't surprise me at all, but the on-court fit, we've already seen it, right? Like the, you know, we saw Kyrie and LeBron take down the 73 win warriors back in 2016. The, the fit is perfect. And it's what the Lakers have been looking for since they signed LeBron back in 2018, right? That first year they signed a bunch of, you know, guys that could handle the basketball and everybody was like, Oh, what are you doing? You know, you got to get shooters around LeBron and um, I think it's something LeBron has wanted. I, I think that was kind of part of the motivation to get Russell Westbrook last year was because they want LeBron playing a little bit more off the ball. So his workload isn't so heavy, you know, in in these last couple of years, probably of his career. And, you know, Kyrie is just a perfect fit on the basketball court because he can shoot. He can create. Um, he's just a seamless fit next to LeBron and offensively would probably be great for Anthony Davis as well. So I think, you know. And I think the, the thing with the Lakers last year was they needed to play faster. And I think Kyrie can really help play faster and un under control. Russ can obviously help you play fast, but it, it's not always going to be necessarily under control. So I think Kyrie would help on a number of fronts for this team. But with that being said, you also have a lot of the off the court stuff. And he just, like I said, does things his own way for lack of a better uh, way to put it. But yeah, so it's it's, you know, a matter of, weighing that stuff with you know what he can do for you on the court and I think the length of the contract is probably going to be a big deal in these negotiations whether he opts in and then does a trade or he opts out and then does a sign and trade or whatever it is um, you know the question is do you want to commit three four years to, to Kyrie Irving you know that's a that's a big roll of the dice might be great for you in the short term but in the long term you never really know what you're going to get I mean we saw it with Boston which you know I tip my cap to Kyrie for this but he, <laughs> he told Celtics season ticket holders right straight to their face that he was going to resign and he wasn't going anywhere and then a year later he he was out of there he bolted and um, like I said I tip my cap to him for that but uh, it, it it's kind of been that way in all of his stops, right? He was with Cleveland for a while, but um, things just go south pretty quickly with Kyrie. And as we've seen it with Brooklyn, uh, I'm kind of amazed at how quickly that ship has really sunk. And now they might be losing Kyrie and then Kevin Durant shortly after. So um, it's, it's a big risk either way, but on the court, it, he's a seamless fit. So it's uh, there's a lot of moving parts with that. And, uh, you know, that's something that the front office is really going to have to look at from from all different angles. So seemingly the two biggest ways that or maybe not biggest, I, most likely is a relative term. But the two most likely ways for him to uh, come to L.A. would be turning down his player option. And I would say if he does that in this upcoming week, he's going to L.A. Um, I'm not. I would imagine the date is probably Tuesday or Wednesday 
uh, somewhere around then for his player option. That's when most options are uh, in the NBA. But I, if he turns down his option, that means he's willing to accept, not necessarily. I mean, he could go out and seek a max contract. The people that could offer him a max contract are very few, the franchises, and you're talking like the Spurs and the Pistons and things like that. And I'm not even sure the Pistons can at this point. So if he opts out, you would assume that he's willing to take a pretty significant pay cut. And there's just been so much smoke at that point with the Lakers that you would kind of assume, and I think rightly so, he's coming to the Lakers if he opts out. If he opts in and asks for a trade, I think that's a little bit more difficult for the Lakers, not that either either option is particularly plausible because there's simply no way that there's a one-for-one Kyrie Irving to the Lakers trade. Mm -hmm. The Lakers barely have the assets to potentially get off Russ, let alone the assets to acquire Kyrie Irving. So it'd have to be some sort of three-team deal where Kyrie goes to the Lakers. Maybe it's with the Hornets and the Lakers send Russ to Charlotte and Charlotte sends Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward to Brooklyn. Something along those lines. Basically the same packages that the Lakers have been discussing, uh, just routing those players to Brooklyn so that you can get Kyrie Irving. That would be about the only way that he could be traded to the Lakers. So, like I said, I don't know that either is particularly plausible. The reason this is so difficult or enticing, whatever kind of word you want to use, is as you said, on court, you could hardly ask for a guard that would make more sense for the Lakers than Kyrie Irving. There is uh, a wealth of experience between him and LeBron that they can go back to. Um, They were incredible together in Cleveland. And as you said, they won a title together in Cleveland. Um, They were about as much fun as any pair was. And so, there's a there's just a, a multiple seasons. I was trying to look up how many. I think there were three, four seasons of Kyrie and LeBron just dominating together. So um, you would hope that they can just kind of slip back into that role. Uh, when you look at the shooting, like you said, over the last um, six seasons, he's a 40.4% three-point shooter. Um, he is He is the type of guy that can take the load off LeBron. He's done that. Um, He's everything that the Lakers kind of hoped Russ would be in that regard. And it would be just amazing. I mean, there was Kyrie and Anthony Davis rumors. They're friends. There were rumors of them wanting to team up in L.A. There's a story we've linked to a couple times. I can't remember exactly. It was years and years ago before the Lakers had either one of them. Uh, There was rumors of them wanting to team up in L.A. together. So. It's three guys that want to be together, and at least two of them have experience playing together. So on court, it would be about as great of a basketball fit as you could imagine between three stars. But as you alluded to, you can't talk about Kyrie without talking about the off-court stuff because over the last three seasons, for a variety of reasons, he's only played 103 games. Uh, some of that is injury. Some of that wasn't, some of that was him refusing to get the vaccine and sitting out three fourths of the season last year. He only played 20 games or 29 games, excuse me. Um, and then his comments after the year were about how the team didn't have enough time to, to kind of get the chemistry together. And it's like, it's some of that (laughs) lack of self-awareness, but it isn't the consequences of my own actions. (laughs) Exactly. So, you can't talk about Kyrie without talking about the off court stuff. And the fact that he just had, like you said, he hasn't been relied upon or reliable, excuse me, for a number of seasons. And now you're looking to him as the guy to um, help lead you to a title. How much do those off court concerns kind of bother you or concern you? So, I think normally they would be a pretty big red flag, but <clears throat> I know we, we all know, I think how close Kyrie is with Phil Handy, right? I think there was the, I don't remember who, who had said it, maybe it was Phil Handy on a podcast, but I think when Kobe passed, 
Kyrie, I think the first person he called was Phil Handy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that link there as well. And I think, I think you have the right man for the job, um, at the head coach, I think with, with Darvin Ham, I think he's a no nonsense guy that can relate really well to players and is going to lead a lead and command a locker room. And so I think they've got the right people in the building to kind of deal with all that, that stuff. But, you know, kind of going back to LeBron, I, I remember when he did that, he was doing like a Q and a kind of thing on Twitter and somebody had asked him if he could pick a teammate or whatever to, to go up against, I think it was Jordan and Pippen. And he listed Durant, Kobe and Kyrie Irving. And I don't think that that was a coincidence. I think that, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe these two have uh, been kind of working something uh, here for a little bit, but I also, you know, I I thought it was interesting. I didn't read like much into it that he didn't name Anthony Davis because I think, you know, Davis would probably be a better fit to, to go up against, you know, two, two all-time greats because of what he does on both ends of the floor. But, um, but I think that that was notable that he, he listed Kyrie and I think the respect, I don't know, you know, how their relationship is obviously, but there's probably, I think there's at least a mutual respect there that those two could work it out and could figure it out. So uh, I think the Lakers have the right people in the building to try and minimize some of that risk. You know, obviously it's never going to be zero risk because as I mentioned, Kyrie just does things his own way, but, but yeah, I, you know, I think that that type of stuff is pretty noteworthy. And I just think, I don't know. I I think the Lakers have dug them, put themselves in such a mess that they're going to, they're going to have to take a risk. Some, you know, they're going to roll the dice some way, shape or form this off season. Um, whether it's rolling it back with Russ or they're trading Russ and taking long, longer contracts or they're getting a guy like Kyrie, there's going to be risks some way because this is the hole that they've dug themselves in. So I think Kyrie, you know, if you're going to go risk a risky route, I would say go high risk, high reward kind of thing um, because Kyrie, sure, could absolutely just tank a locker room and could just tank your franchise and, you know, you have to get rid of him and recover from it or whatever. But at the same time, we've seen what he can do, right? Like Kyrie, I've always felt that Kyrie, especially the last few years, as he's been kind of in the prime of his career, if Kyrie was 6'6", he would be an absolutely terrifying player because he is one of the most skilled offensive players the league has ever seen. He's so incredibly gifted offensively. Um, the league is just lucky that he's he's not overly big. But I, I think he, he would be worth the the gamble, you know, off all the off-court stuff aside. Like I said, the, the, the offensive fit is just it, – it's seamless. It's exactly the type of player that they've been looking for that LeBron wants at that lead guard position. And we got a lot of – you know, we got to see LeBron play off the ball a little bit more last year, and he was super efficient. Um, I think it, it was – he was really comfortable with it. And I think if you could do that with Kyrie running the show and, you know, you have those three and you can stagger those lineups in different ways – uh, obviously you got to hope that Davis and I mean, really all three, right. You know, LeBron, I think you should expect to maybe play like 60 games. You know, yeah. I think that would probably be wise to, to, you know, manage him as, as much as you can with him being at his age and on his mileage. But then you got to worry about Kyrie and Anthony Davis being able to stay healthy because it's something that they've struggled with. So there's a lot of different moving pieces there, but man, I think the, the, the reward, it's such a high reward that I think I would, and be in favor of pulling the trigger on it and, and, you know, taking a chance with the risk that comes with it. Speaking of his off court, uh, shenanigans, one of the nicknames listed on basketball reference. I don't know that I've heard before is world B flat. Uh, <laughs> so shout out to whoever came up with that. It's interesting. As you said that with the Lakers having dug themselves a hole, and that's something I had said and written that, they screwed up with Russ, and they were going to have to take a hit in some way or another. Uh, most of us, myself included, kind of saw that being, you're going to have to take a hit money-wise, and it's going to be long-term money, whether it's Hayward, whether it's Rozier, Brogdon, Buddy, whatever it was, you were going to have to take a hit financially to long-term to get rid of Russ. This is a different route where it may not hurt you financially, but this is about as high risk as you high risk, high reward as you're going to be able to get uh, because at his best with Kyrie, Kyrie and LeBron are enough to win a title. As we saw at his worst with Kyrie, the Nets made the playing game. And 
I guess that's an improvement for the Lakers over last season, but uh, that's still not ideal. So this is a different type of risk you would have to take. And so it's interesting in that regard how the Lakers view that. Would they rather take the risk with Kyrie? Would they rather take the long-term financial hit with uh, Hayward and Rozier, knowing that Hayward is probably going to play about as many games as uh, Kyrie has the last couple seasons uh, for the rest of his contract? So it's a calculus the Lakers are going to have to make. And amidst all of this is suddenly a question of, I know this is a what if that's a couple steps down the line, but what if Kyrie does opt out and he does take this taxpayer mid-level exception, what do you do with Russ now? (laughs) Because now you have Kyrie and Russ on the roster together. There's no way that's going to work. So what do you do with Russ at that point? Do you, I mean, what would you do? Do you look to just ship him off in any type of deal that gets you non-guards? Do you wave and stretch him? Do you, I mean, what is your next step at that point? I think at that point you would look to, take back multiple contracts, whether it's Charlotte, whether it's Indiana, whether you can get a guy like Brogdon Hayward, like if it's Hayward and Rozier or something like that, you know, I think you'd have to try and um, kind of turn Russ into multiple rotational pieces, Um, whether it's, you know, taking on a couple extra years of, of money or whatever, because the Lakers, if they get Kyrie, I mean, you're probably, it kind of scraps, right. Any fi- uh, free agent plans, like any big yeah. free agent plans that they would have. So, and I think, you know, th- the main thing right now for them is, is getting that, that extension for LeBron done. And I think going kind of all in and, and being able to leverage Russ into multiple guys, whether it's just two, maybe three, whatever it is, because I think, you know, I think Russ's contract has been really overstated that it's like, it's not movable. It's been moved. What the last three off seasons, so his contract is going to be movable. It's an expiring contract. So a, a team like Charlotte, Charlotte makes the most sense because there's been all that talk of them trying to kind of shed long-term salary so that they can pay bridges. Um, there, There's going to be some options out there, man. It's an expiring contract. The Lakers should be able to get something done. And I think that they could turn that into two hopefully three role guys. I mean, they do have a couple picks that they could offload, but like I said, I don't think that they would really need to do that. I think that they could just say, here's one big fat expiring contract, especially to an Eastern conference team uh, that, you know, just wants to try and get the, make the playoffs. Like a team like Indiana makes a lot of sense to me because I could see them looking at, Hey, I don't care if we're a seven seed or whatever. Let's, let's get into the playoffs. Let's get some of that playoff revenue. And Russ thrives on a team like that, where he's the number one guy and can kind of just run the show. Like it's never going to win you a title by any means. And it's probably never going to even get you remotely close to sniffing one, but he can get like a team like that into the postseason, I think. And, you know, playoff revenue, uh, you know, to certain owners is probably going to mean a lot more than it would to, to others. So, um, you know, I think that there's some scenarios out there like that that the Lakers could could do with Russ, with or without Kyrie. I think that probably still makes the most sense. If you can turn him into a guy like Kyrie, great. But I think I think the Lakers will still be able to trade him, whether it's two team, three team, whatever it is, into multiple role players that have some money on the books longer than beyond this upcoming season. So they'd be kind of sacrificing a little financial flexibility. Um, in the next couple of years, but you'd get off Russ's deal and probably get some some guys that would be a, a better fit for your team. The Knicks are going to be another team to probably throw in there is if they strike out on Brunson because you have a lot of contracts that match up. Fournier, um, potentially Derek Rose, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, Cam Reddish, who they the Lakers tried to trade for. I mean, Julius Randle technically has a contract there. I don't know that either side would want that reunion. Um, Does it change how willing you are either way? If the Lakers get Kyrie on this taxpayer mid-level exception, does it change how willing you are to include draft picks with Russ to offload him? It depends on the return. I think if you can get – so the Lakers, I really just want them to put an emphasis on the wing position this offseason because – they were they found guys off the street and Wenyan Gabriel and Stanley Johnson last year who were positive players, like were good role players, and they were scraping the barrel for wing players. So 
if if you can get some more guys like that, like, you know, I don't want to say nice things about the Clippers, but the Clippers obviously <laughs> value wing players. Like you look at their yeah. roster, it's just loaded with wings. And that's kind of just what the modern NBA is, right? I mean, you saw it in the NBA finals this year. Wing players put a put a stamp on those NBA finals, right? Like Andrew Wiggins was a really, really good, impactful player for the Warriors, and they probably don't win that title without him with his defense on Tatum and, and his offensive performance in game five. It's just you've got to have those in today's NBA. So if if they could turn Russ into you know one or two decent wing players or you know wing type players, I I think that that's that would be a major win. So that's all my only ask of the Lakers this year is to put more of a premium on the wing position because you you got two guys off the street last year that came in and, and showed flashes of good things. Imagine what you can do if you actually poured you know some some resources into finding um, those types of players in in free agency. The good news is the only, I believe the only actual upcoming free agent the team has been linked to is Nicholas Batum, one of those wings that's also on the Clippers. Um, That kind of proves multiple points you had there, but uh, Batum, it was Chris Haynes that said the Lakers are among the teams interested, but he's going to remain in with the Clippers. So, it, it doesn't do much in terms of addressing the wing depth on the Lakers, but it does. Um, it is an encouraging first step, I guess, that those are the types of players they're interested in because, as you said, they have no wings and they barely had them last year. And like you, Stanley Johnson, Winning Gabriel are they were they were like among the top seven uh best Lakers last season, which is yeah. both the, a testament to I, I, how hard they worked. I don't want to disparage them for that, but also kind of shows how bad the Lakers roster was last season because both guys were free agents during the season. And if you're a free agent during the season as in the way that they were, then there's some pretty big flaws in your game. And uh, with Stanley Johnson, we started to kind of see that as the season went on, but um both guys were impactful. I want both of them back last year, but they can't be your two of your better perimeter kind of big men or uh, forward options. Like they need to be fourth, fifth down that list. Right. So the Lakers, I agree, need to put a premium. Just about every other free agent they sign the rest of this off season needs to be uh, like six, seven or taller <laughs> because yeah. they, they have enough guards and everybody else needs to uh, needs to help fill out those small forward, power forward, center minutes. So it's set up to be a wild off season. Um, I haven't even really give a lot of thought to anybody else. The Lakers could potentially sign because the Kyrie stuff has just dominated the landscape for the last week. It's a, a wild story that. I don't think is going away until he potentially signs an extension in Brooklyn. If he does, kudos to him for leveraging the Lakers into a huge contract. But uh, as you said kind of early on, it certainly doesn't seem like if there's anybody that would be this crazy, it would be Kyrie. One other thing that worth noting I made note of and forgot to mention it earlier, it's going to be interesting. You mentioned the contract length as well. If he signs for the taxpayer mid-level exception, it's going to be interesting because I would imagine that's going to be a short-term deal until the Lakers get his early bird rights or his bird rights, uh, whatever. I I don't know enough about the CBA. Whenever that comes where they can sign him to a lot more money. So uh, on paper, you can... er, On paper, you would sign him to a two-year deal with maybe a handshake agreement that, hey, we'll give you more money down the line, but... It also kind of keeps Kyrie honest to a certain degree because he has to play well enough to warrant the Lakers wanting to give him that contract. So um, it, if that is the option he ends up taking where he uh, signs a taxpayer mid-level exception, then it's going to be interesting how that plays out. Maybe that makes him less willing to do nonsense off the court and kind of keeps him more focused on the court. Because as you were saying earlier, the Lakers in theory have the infrastructure with coaches, players, 
things of that nature to welcome Kyrie in and think that you could get the best out of him. Uh, but adding on the potential of that contract and him needing to play well enough to warrant the Lakers giving him that big of a contract could be another thing that factors into that. Do you think uh, this time next week that Kyrie Irving is a Laker? I'm going to say yes. And it's funny, a a week ago, I thought it would have been total pipe dream, right? But with with a guy like Kyrie, anything is possible. So, um, but yeah, just the, the... there's been more and more smoke each day and, you know, I think, so I think it's going to go one of two ways. I think he's going to end up either with the Lakers or he's just going to go back to the Nets. I don't think that these other teams, you know, and I could be totally wrong about this. Like this is totally speculative on my part, but I, I think the Lakers stuff is real from, you know, what I've heard and, you know, I'm not a reporter or by any means, but I've heard that the Lakers are really in their own tier when it comes to, if he's going to leave the nets, it's the Lakers. And then there's a big gap between them and everybody else. Um, I think LeBron being there, Phil Handy being there, AD being there. um, And it's, you know, it's the Lakers, right? It's LA. um, They're the premier franchise of the league. So you got all that stuff. Um, I, I don't know. I'm about 50-50 on it. I guess uh, for for the sake of uh, this, I'll just say 51-49 in favor of the Lakers. <laughs> but I, I, I'm at the point where I would not be surprised at all now if it happens, which a, a week ago I would have I would have laughed at you if you had have said it because, you know, um, especially taking the, you know, the taxpayer mid-level exception. I still don't think he ends up doing that because he did forfeit a lot of money last year. So I think ultimately it'll be a sign and trade. It's just a matter of, can you get a third team to cooperate that wants to take Russ and, and can we get the, the right pieces to Brooklyn and that sort of thing? Um, like I said, there's, there's a lot of moving parts because they have to wonder how it's going to impact Kevin Durant too, because if they trade Kyrie and then Kevin Durant says, all right, I'm next, get me out of here. They're, I mean, they're looking at going into from being, you know, seemingly a contender to basically tanking, which the, the draft next year is a good one to tank for, uh, you know, there's, there's some really good prospects and maybe that's something they want to do, but I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it happens at this point. I'm not even sure they own their pick next year. Houston has their pick next year. Well then good uh, for the Rockets. <laughs> yeah. The Rockets who. The Rockets everybody... might be that third team that steps in and says, get Kyrie out of there. <laughs> the, uh, Everybody slated the Rockets for taking um, all those draft picks instead of Ben Simmons. And fair play. They are probably salivating at at this because they can swap next year's pick. They own the 2024 pick. They can swap the 2025 pick. They own the 2026 pick. Like, good Lord, Uh, what a a situation Houston's in. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if a trade is the option, how much you, the, that Brooklyn factors in KD to that, uh, discussion because KD like probably has to give them some sort of approval to be like, if you trade for Hayward and Rozier, that's enough for me to want to stay. And, uh, but if you trade for Brogdon and buddy, then I'm out or something along those lines. So Mm -hmm. he's going to factor into that somewhat too, which also, I mean, that's just another complication under this three-team trade type of thing and yeah. whether Brooklyn would rather lose Kyrie for nothing um, or would they would rather trade Kyrie and then have to trade KD. I don't know. that. To me, all these reasons that I'm giving and the fact that I know we've said that if anybody would do it, he would do it, and you kind of use the basis of, well, he lost, I think it was around $17 million last year. To me, that would be like reasoning for him not to forfeit another $30 million uh, because then that means you're giving up $47 million in the last year and a half, um, which like, look, he's made a ton of money and maybe coming to LA and playing with LeBron and rehabilitating his image somewhat gets him a shoe deal again. I don't really know, but... There's just so many ifs and and things that factor into this that I still don't think it's going to happen. 
if I'm wrong, then it's a, a wild day in Lakerland, but ultimately there's just so many things that have to happen uh, that I just can't see it happening until it does basically. So we'll see. It's a wild week. Next time I talk to you guys, we'll probably know whether Kyrie is going to be or whether Kyrie's a Laker or not. Free agency starts, I believe on Thursday evening or Friday. I can't remember exactly uh, the start time, but this upcoming week free agency starts. So all hell's about to break loose uh, and it's going to be a wild time. Gary, thanks a ton for coming on today. Let the people know where they can find you and all your work at. Uh, you can find just my terrible tweets at Gary Kester on Twitter. Uh, make sure you follow Lakers Outsiders as well. But that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. I'm excited for this offseason, a lot of pressure. And I think that's another factor, uh, not to go on, off on another tangent here, but I think there is a mm-hmm. lot of pressure on this front office to get yeah. something done and, and clean up the mess that they made last year. So I think if if Kyrie is a legitimate possibility, that's kind of why I think it does get done is because I can see the Lakers saying, we, we got to do whatever we got to do to get this done because this could really uh, erase some of our mistakes from last year and could get us back on the right track. And, you know, Rob Palinka. Like I said, there's just a lot of pressure on him this offseason to get it right. And especially with with LeBron not signing that extension yet, I can see the Lakers putting all their chips, you know, pushing them all um, towards the center of the table. So we'll we'll see. It's it's going to be fun, though. There's going to be a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of fireworks this offseason. Yeah, the LeBron's extension is going to be looming over everything the Lakers do in the next month uh, until he can sign it in the beginning of August. Rob Polinka went out there during exit interviews and said, I'm the one that makes the decisions around here. So um, he's the one sitting on the hot seat now. So that's going to, that is going to impact the decisions they make this off season. And whether that may means they're more likely to go get Kyrie or not, we're going to find out in the next week, but I'll be back next week uh, with another guest to react to whatever has happened uh, in the free agency landscape, whether it's Kyrie, whether it's a rush trade, I'm sure a lot of craziness will have taken place in the next week. So be sure you guys are subscribed and join us for that discussion. Until then, everybody have a great week and uh, buckle up because it's going to be a fun one.